0: Greetings. This is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our series in the Book of Acts, and today we will take a look at Acts 16, verses 16 through 34. In our last teaching, we learned that Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke had sought out the Jews in the city of Philippi by going to a river, and there they found a few women who had gathered to pray they used this as an opportunity to share with the ladies the gospel message of jesus christ and the end result was that they were convinced and received jesus as their lord and savior one of the women was named lydia who offered to these four men her home as their dwelling place as long as they were in the city this was a rich opportunity for her because That would mean that she and her household would have the added benefit of being taught by these faithful servants of God. A church was established in that city, and as can be attested to in Paul's later epistle, the book of Philippians. But while the apostles remained in the city, they continued to go to the river the place of prayer, to share with anyone who would come the wonderful truth about salvation in Christ Jesus. Let us turn now to our passage for today. Acts chapter 16, I'll begin reading with verse 16 through 24. The word of God reads this way. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city and they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid their stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Yes, the message of Jesus has a profound effect on people, whenever it's shared. In this case, a slave girl who had been demon-possessed followed the apostles throughout the city, loudly proclaiming, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now what she said is true. You will remember that on many occasions demons have acknowledged Jesus, for example, In Luke 4, when Jesus was teaching in a synagogue in Capernaum, the following event happened. Now, in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God! But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Yes, the demons in hell know who Jesus is and they must obey him. Whether the command comes from his own mouth or a command spoken in the power of his great name, they must obey. I find it amazing that demons know Jesus. They tremble before his mighty power. But people created in the image of God and for whom Jesus died on the cross choose to reject him or even deny his existence. Well, after many days of this slave girl harassing the apostles with her declaration, Paul turned to her saying, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the demon left her and never returned. We need to pause to understand the greater dynamic of what is happening here. First, let's talk about this slave girl. The Bible says that she was possessed with a spirit of divination. Dr. John Stott explains. First, she had a spirit by which she predicted the future or literally she had a spirit of a python or a python spirit. The references is to the snake of classical mythology which guarded the temple of Apollo and the Delphic Oracle at Mount Parnassus. Apollo was thought to be embodied in the snake and to inspire Pythonesses, his female devotees, with clairvoyance, although other people thought of them as ventriloquists. This slave girl's masters, they they recognized her unique gift, and they chose to exploit her for their own profits. Fortune-telling was common in Greek and Roman culture, and people used many superstitious methods for trying to see the future, from interpreting omens in nature to communicate with the spirits of the dead. Dr. Stock continues with this explanation as Paul and his friends continued their walk. The girl followed them screaming, These men are servants of the Most High God. That was a term for the Supreme Being, which was applied by Jews to Yahweh, the true and living God, and by the Greeks to Zeus. She continued, she's saying, Who are telling you the way to be saved? Since Salvation was a popular topic of conversation in those days, even if it meant different things to different people. It is not in the least strange that this girl should have hailed the missionaries as teachers of the way of salvation. The question might be asked, why did the demon want to participate in the work of evangelism? and Why did Paul take such a strong stand against it? I submit that the demon was trying to distract the people from the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and Paul saw right through this. It was important that the gospel message would not be tainted or watered down from the central biblical truth of Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior of the world. Doctor H. A. Ironside makes this astute observation. He writes, "Demon possession is a very real thing, and the power in spiritualism today consists in this: not that God allows spirits of the dead to come back and speak through mediums, but that medium, but that demons take possession of these mediums and speak through them." Let me say that again: demon possession is a very real thing and the power in spiritualism today consists in this not that god allows spirits of the dead to come back and speak through mediums but that demons take possession of these mediums and speak through them the church of god needs to be on guard against those who are seeking to imitate the work of the lord The name of Jesus drove out the demon from this woman, for Jesus is conqueror and victor over Satan's hosts. Whenever Christ is counted on like this, he can be depended on to vindicate the glory of his name. So, in the name of Jesus, the slave girl was delivered from the demons, a life completely transformed by the power of the living God and her masters were not happy. They had just lost a great source of revenue and revenge was in their mind. So they sought revenge against the ones whom they perceived had ruined their business. They stirred up the community, with the end result being that Paul and Silas were arrested. Notice the charges that were laid against them. These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. This has at its roots anti-Semitism, these Jews. This is the voice of Satan trying to stop or hinder the work of God. And based on that charge, they added the other perceived infractions to the list. The magistrates in charge reacted quickly, as they were charged by Rome to keep the peace and also to enforce the laws regarding any proselytizing Roman citizens in a Roman colony. If they were to lose control over the colony, Rome's response against them would be swift and severe. The magistrates had uh, Paul and Silas arrested, flogged, beaten severely with rods, and then taken to prison. And when they gave them over to the Philippian jailer, they gave him strict instructions to make sure they were locked away securely. So he took them down to an inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. So here we have Paul and Silas, backs bleeding and torn from the flogging, bodies bruised all over from the rods, put in chains, and their feet were put in stocks, cast away into the innermost dark dungeon. To the common eye, the situation would seem to be bleak and hopeless. These men were not common men. They were not ordinary men given over to fear and despair. These men were men of faith. They knew that God was with them and that he would help them to overcome this desperate situation. Well, let's continue with our passage to learn what happened next, beginning with verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out, saying, Sirs, what what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes. And immediately he had him and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Well, did you catch it? Paul and Silas were praying and singing. (laughs) <laughs> what a wonderful example they have set for us. Let me read an observation that Warren Weersby makes. He, he writes, Paul and Silas were stripped and beaten and put in the city prison. It looked like the end of their witness in Philippi, but God had other plans. Instead of complaining or calling on God to judge their enemies, the two men prayed and praised God. When you are in pain, the midnight hour is not the easiest time for a sacred concert, but God gives songs in the night. Any fool can sing in the day, said Charles Hayden Spurgeon. It is easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight, but the skillful singer is he who can sing when there is not a ray of light to be read by. Songs in the night come only from God. They are not in the power of men. Prayer and praise are powerful weapons. Do you need a song in the night? You're not alone. I have many times needed that song in the night, and God has been faithful to give them to me. God has always given his faithful children a, a beautiful song to sing. As, as the psalmist said in Psalm 42 8, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me a prayer to the God of my life. I'm reminded of a song that the prophet Jeremiah wrote during the very worst days of Israel's history. They had been under siege for two years. The people were starving. The city was war-torn, and many people had been either captured or killed by the Babylonians. The book of Lamentations tells the story in poetic form what the people, including Jeremiah, were suffering, and it is terrible, beyond comprehension. But in the very middle of this terrible description, Jeremiah a great man of faith records this song of his heart, beginning with verse 21. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Like Jeremiah, Paul and Silas found strength, strength to endure, as they praised their God and Savior. And as they prayed and as they praised, the other prisoners in that deep, dark dungeon were listening. And they too were being ministered to. Perhaps hope and faith were, being, were beginning to be born in their hearts. It's so easy to complain and weep when things become difficult, but to pray and praise? Now that is the evidence of faith, and that will help to establish the joy of the Lord in the heart of the believer. God always responds to the prayer of faith, and he is always pleased with our praise. So when Paul and Silas began to worship, God began to make his move. The Bible says that There was a great earthquake, so great that it shook the foundation of the prison and all the prison doors were opened and everyone's chains fell off. Not just the ones for Paul and Silas. This is the grace and mercy of God responding to the heart cries of those who had been listening to the ministry of prayer and praise. What happened next is truly wonderful. The jailer was desperate when he saw that all of the prison doors had been flung open by the earthquake. He knew that if the prisoners escaped, he would suffer their judgment. and Who knows what kind of crimes these prisoners had committed, but they must have been pretty bad because the jailer decided that the only thing he could do to avoid the horrors of what the Roman government would do to him was to kill himself. And as he drew his sword to end his life, Paul called out to him, stopping him with the assurance that not one prisoner had left. We don't know anything about the other prisoners, but their actions tell us a lot about their changed hearts. They were in prison for a reason, a crime had been committed. And to be in the inner prison means that their crime had been violent, but when the opportunity of escape had presented itself, they stayed. They stayed with Paul and Silas, who had been ministering to them in the name of Jesus, and the power of Christ was already transforming their lives. When the jailer heard Paul's voice and realized that what he said was true, he fell on his knees before them, begging to know how he could be saved. What must I do to be saved is is the cry of people everywhere. But they want to do something, make themselves better, fix up their lives, become a, a little bit more perfect and then come to God. But that is not the way it works. Jesus has done the work. He lived a sinless life and then died on the cross in our place. Our sin was imputed to him so that his righteousness might, might be given to us. As the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, listen to Paul's answer to this man. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. There you have it. Believe that Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead. For you. The Bible says in Romans ten, beginning with verse nine, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever means you, my friend, and whoever means me. When I was lost in my sin and in deep despair, I called on the name of Jesus, and I asked him to forgive me. And become the Lord and Savior of my life and he answered my prayer and he has never left my side since that day yes it is true but there have been times since then of struggle suffering and painful days but Jesus has been with me every step of the way he has never left me alone he has always been faithful and when I sin against Him and confess my sin, He has been faithful to forgive me of my sin and just as the Bible promises He will do. Have you called out to Jesus and asked Him to forgive you and save you? Have you asked Him to be your Lord and Savior? Do it now. Don't wait. Just like the Philippian jailer, he will hear your prayer and save you and your life will never be the same again. For the jailer, three significant things happened as a result of his new faith in Jesus Christ. First, we know that his entire household was saved that night. Salvation spread throughout the prison and his household like a holy fire. We also see the evidence of his transformed life because he immediately brought Paul and Silas into his home, treated their wounds, and gave them food to eat. These acts of kindness were not even considered before Jesus saved him. These acts of kindness were the evidence of his sincere repentance. Jesus is already changing his life from cruelty to kindness from pride to humility, from fear to rejoicing and peace. The third evidence of his salvation was that he wanted to be baptized, which would have been a water baptism. and In this way, he was testifying to his allegiance to Jesus, this being an outward sign of the inward work that Jesus had already done in his heart. The theologian Chrysostom pointed out that the washing was reciprocal. He washed them and was washed. Those the imprisoned missionaries he washed from their stripes himself was saved from his sins. The baptized family now welcomed Paul and Silas into their home just as Lydia had done into hers and set a meal before them and this celebratory feast was but an external expression of the inward joy which the whole family experienced because they had come to believe in God. Transformed lives. And all this through the power of the name of Jesus. Lydia and her household and those who are with her at the river were transformed. The evidence was the fact that her home became the home of the first church in Philippi. A slave girl was delivered from demon possession and a new life was born through the power and authority of the name of Jesus. Prisoners in in a jail cell heard the testimony of Jesus and though we don't know the full extent of their response, we can already see the touch of God on their lives. Now the Philippian jailer and his family were saved and baptized they added to the numbers of this new church the one to whom paul would later write in the book of philippians i thank my god upon every remembrance of you always and in every prayer of mine making request of you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this very thing that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And he concludes the book in chapter 4 Rejoice in the Lord Always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are in good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Heavenly Father, these words are just as true for us today as they were in the days of Paul because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your power is still mighty and you still transform lives. And you are still the one who has begun a good work in us and you have promised to continue to complete it until the day that we see Jesus face to face. And we give you thanks. Oh, Lord, help us to understand a little bit more the great power of your name and the great power of your love and your mercy and your grace. Oh, Lord, we come before you today. Some are coming before you like the Philippian jailer, asking for salvation and some are coming before you today wanting more of you and wanting desiring to be faithful like the Apostles were in all of our lives Lord we ask that you would continue to work in and through us for the sake of the Gospel For the glory of your name. For the salvation of many souls. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, if you're finding these messages helpful and encouraging, or if you have a question that you would like to ask, please feel free to email me at BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com. That's BibleTimeWithJane, all one word, at gmail.com. So until next time, be blessed, my friend. God is with you, and he will never forsake you. Trust in the name of the Lord, and be thankful.